What's going on, guys? I just finished watching the AFC-NFC Championship. Uh, we've got one more big game, obviously, with uh, the big game here in a, here in a week or so. Uh, and then we'll all be really fiending for some football. So hopefully you guys are enjoying the podcast. You guys go check out our website, runthepower.com. Uh, right now, our premium members uh, have access to RTP install as well as uh, O-Line Film Room. We've also got two new series coming at you guys. Hoping to have those up and available this month. Uh, again, I know everyone's going to be bored and and wanting to watch football, so we're hoping to have enough football for you guys to to really enjoy that even on the off season. We've also got the uh, RTP Virtual Summit coming up in February. If you guys haven't registered for your free tickets, you can go on our website to do that as well. Uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Both of our programs, Broken Arrow and Ankeny, invested in Guardian Caps this year. We feel they're helping our guys. They're soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and 1,000 high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are a few of the colleges using them right now. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley thinks about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, they're actually a lot more affordable uh, probably than you guys would think, so go check them out at guardiancaps.com. This episode is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website, enter the code RTP, to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Jimmy Flynn. Coach Flynn is the DB coach and special teams coordinator at St. Xavier University in Chicago, Illinois. Listen as we talk with Coach Flynn about his coaching career as a football and baseball coach in Chicago. Coach Flynn also drops some knowledge on special teams, schemes for punt, kickoff, kickoff return, and pump block and pump return. In addition to some sweet fakes, uh, you will also see Coach Flynn in our RTP Virtual Summit in February. You can follow Coach Flynn at jflynnii on Twitter. Hope you guys enjoy. Uh, you came recommended to us through another mutual acquaintance we have, uh, Dom Pasolano, and then you you had sent me your basically I've started to call it the special teams bible. Yeah, I mean that that thing is is phenomenal. So I know we we brought you on to to talk a little special teams, but uh, I know you can talk a little bit. You're a conversationist, and you've done a lot of different things in life. So I'm going to let you kind of introduce yourself, and then tell us all about who uh, who Jimmy Flynn is. Well, first and foremost, I, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, Coach Pasolano, he, he, he's friends with, with you, I believe, Coach Walls, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and he called me. He goes, it's, it's a great thing that they're doing. And, you know, I recommended that, that he call you. And, and when I got the message, I was pretty excited about it. So I've had this day bookmarked uh, uh, for, for a while. So, so I'm excited to be on your guys', your guys podcast. Um, I, uh, I've done a lot of different things. I, I, I teach high school at, uh, at an awesome school in Tinley Park, Illinois. Uh, I teach English there. 
and uh, the the school is Andrew High School. Uh, it's an awesome, awesome community, awesome place to live. Um, so I teach there and I coach baseball there. I'm the head sophomore baseball coach. So, uh, uh, so I, that's what I do there. And then, and then I coach football at St. Xavier University. So I've been at a couple different schools, which, which I, I credit a lot of what I've learned as a coach to the, like, not only my coaches that, that coached me growing up, but the guys that I've had a chance to work with in the, uh, in the Chicagoland area. Um, I coached football for a couple of years at Andrew. And then uh, my best friend, uh, a guy named A.J. Porter, who is a, a tremendous athlete. Um, he went on and he played quarterback at Missouri State. Um, he's been my best friend my entire life. He got the offensive coordinator job for Coach Pasolano at Shepard. And, uh, and so when, when, when Pasolano got the job and, and A.J. got the offensive coordinator job, it was always a dream of ours to coach together. Uh, so I had the opportunity to coach with, with Don for four years. And that's kind of really where I began my, my coaching love for special teams. Um, as a player, I, I played for a guy named Jim Hall. And uh, anyone who lives in the Chicagoland area knows who Jim Hall is. Uh, the, guy, the guy was obsessed with special teams. Um, actually, Mike Zimmer, Jim Zimmer, is, uh, um, just passed away, um, sadly. But Jim Zimmer is Mike Zimmer's, the, the coach for the Vikings, is his father. And Jim was the head coach at our high school. And so that's, you know, kind of the connection with special teams. And uh, I went to St. Xavier University as an athlete out of high school and uh, had some tremendous coaches there who really valued and pushed special teams. So when I began coaching with Pasolano and those guys, uh, Don pretty much gave me free reign to do what I wanted uh, with special teams. So I studied a lot. I learned a lot. Uh, From there, I coached at Brother Rice High School um, on the south side of Chicago for one of my college coaches. He got the head job there. Um, and I, and I continued coaching special teams there. And then, uh, and then when coach Slovic, who is a, a legendary coach, uh, around the Joliet area, when he, uh, retired, uh, coach Fem- feminist reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested in, uh, splitting the special teams with him and, uh, coaching defensive backs. And so that, that's where I'm at now. Uh, I'm in my second year at St. Xavier. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to the start of the football season this year. You said Devens a backs coach. Is that uh, something that you've coached for a while now uh, with special teams? Because normally the special teams guys have another position. Is that uh, have you been with uh, defensive backs the past few years as well? Yeah. So I coached uh, I coached defense on and off at like a minimal level for a couple of years a while ago, and about four years ago. Um, I coached uh, five years ago. Now it's time's flying by. I coached with <laughs> Billy McEwen. Uh, Billy McEwen is the defensive coordinator at St. Xavier. I coached offense with Billy at Brother Rice. And so that was kind of the connection. You know, Billy and I, I'm, I'm a little older than Billy, but Billy played at St. X. And then, you know, and then he and I had coached together at Rice. Well, when he got the defensive coordinator job, um, after his first year, he reached out to me. So um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd coached defense for a handful of years, um, more in a minimal capacity. Uh, my last couple of years in high school, um, I had more of a vested role in like the scheme and the uh, assignment and, you know, the, all the technique that goes along with playing defensive back. Um, and then now that I'm at St. X, it's times 12. So um, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, you kind of meet different people and you coach with different people and coach McEwen and I have a great relationship. Uh, you know, it's kind of started at Brother Rice High School. Uh, and then 
you know, transferred over to St. Xavier. So now, now he and I, and, uh, another guy, coach Rogers, Chris Rogers was an all American at St. Xavier, uh, coach Rogers and I split the defensive back duties. So. It's kind of a natural fit, I think, for defensive guys and special teams because obviously with, with special teams, so much of it is, is being able to run, take angles, and then ultimately tackle people. So I think that, that kind of makes the most sense. You know, with DBs, I, I always thought when you, when you coach DBs, you worked with DBs, those guys made the best special teams players because you could use them in a bunch of spots. They were physical usually. They could flip their hips. They could turn. They could move, and they knew how to play in space. What are your thoughts kind of on, uh, you know, that, that natural marriage of DBs and special teams? Yeah, I agree 100%, man. You know, and a lot of people talk about um, the NFL and how, how a, lot of, a lot of head coaches who are special teams coordinators get looked, get looked over for, for head coaching jobs. And I think that mm-hmm. even happens in the college ranks and in high school. Um, but I, I've made this claim and uh and at Pasolano and Porter and all the guys they kind of laugh at me uh, <laughs> i don't think i don't think there's a coach on your staff that has a better pulse of every single player's athleticism than a special teams coach you know when you look at punt you need to you need to incorporate linemen in the shield uh when mm-hmm. you look at, at at kickoff uh you need some linebacker defensive back types um on on uh, on on the punt team, your gunners many times wide receivers are really good because they, they know their their releases against man coverage on the line. They have a they have a knack for finding the ball and, and getting to a spot. So, you know, fullbacks, running backs, defensive ends, every single aspect of of the football team, um, the special teams coordinator has a pulse and knows what those guys can do. Um, and not taking anything away from defensive coaches or offensive coaches. But many times they're kind of wrapped up with their side of the ball. Uh, but whereas a special teams coach, you got you got to kind of understand the athleticism of every player on the team. I, I completely agree. We had uh, my second head coach in college was special was a special teams coordinator and Tony Levine. Uh, he was a special teams coordinator at, at Houston, and then uh, he got bumped up to head coach. And there was a lot of questions about you know why are we giving this to a to a special teams coordinator? You know and and um, but honestly, I, I thought it was awesome. You know, he got fired after four years, but went like, I, I don't know, had a, had a really good record, especially for Houston. But, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. But um, it, it was – it's unreal when you get around some of those really smart special teams guys, just how much they know, like you said, about the players and about the scheme of special teams, stuff that I had never thought of, even from, you know, tackling on, on a punt could be completely different than tackling an open field as far as, you know, you're, you're – lining up on the right, shooting across his hip, or, or whatever it is, and, and stuff that no doubt an offensive lineman I'd never thought of. Yeah, no doubt. And then even when you look at it, like a special teams coordinator, you have to be able to, you have to, be able to coach guys uh, to return punts, which is entirely different than the technique used to return kicks. And then you've got you to gotta coach guys to be able to block a punt. You've got to coach the right technique on a hold-up return. How do we want to block this guy? Uh, you got to coach the shield guys, which are offensive linemen, on coming together and, and protecting the launch point um, on a punt. Uh, you got to teach guys to, to block, to tackle, uh, to use leverage, to run in space. You got to you got to teach guys to catch. You got to teach them to punt, kick, and do everything. I mean, it's it's a complex job, and I've had the I've had the fortunate opportunity to meet with some really special people um, on on special teams and. And just their their level of their level of uh, 
just knowledge, their attention to detail, their organization. Um, it's unbelievable. It really is, you know, and, and that's kind of what I try to emulate, you know, just to be ultra organized, uh, to be a, an efficient communicator because there's so many guys. I always say like, Hey, we got 90 guys on our team. All right. 90, 90 plus guys on our team. And, and I try to, I try to utilize every guy, whether it's on a, on a, on a depth chart. So first or second team or on a scout team, you know? And so every week that changes, you know, we got, you know, all those different positions, guys get hurt. Uh, uh, unfortunately, if a guy gets suspended or whatever the case is, a guy's just not doing the job. I got to figure out how I can, how I can move those guys around. Um, so I know every kid on the team and I know what their athleticism is, you know? Well, the most impressive part to me is, um, like you, you already touched on a little bit is, is the organization and the, uh, I don't want to say sim- simplicity because it's not simple, but you have to make it extremely simple for the kids. You know, you've got to be extremely organized because no coach, no head coach is, is going to give you probably more than 10 minutes a day. I mean, that's about all you're going to have for all complete special team. Maybe some other coaches do, but you know, you know, you're, you're limited on time. And then you've also, you got to be ultra organized with how you're getting all of this done. Uh, and then you've got to keep it simple where that's your whole job is to come up with really cool things to, to do and, and different returns and returns to set up other returns. No doubt. And, but then you've got to be able to keep it so simple that a kid that is studying defense the whole week and that's all he cares about, you know, also can still pick it up. Um, and it's not overly complicated for that kid. And like you said, if he's tired or if he's hurt, some other kid can still jump in and get that same thing done. Uh, I know, and I, and I hope Coach Levine doesn't listen to this one, but uh, uh, they would always give us like a, a DVD at the beginning of the week of, of the uh, of field goal for that week and what the, you know, the defense is, whatever uh, field goal block was. And I think every single time it winded up in the back of my locker in the trash. You know, I, I, I just wanted <laughs> yeah, I know. field goal block. So uh, it's amazing how special teams coordinators, they've got to make it simple. They've got to get it while they've got their 10 minutes with the kids because probably after that, maybe unless they're a returner, uh, the kids probably aren't, aren't thinking about it again until uh, Friday, Saturday night. Yeah, I know. And, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing is it's not a one-man job. And, and so I've coached at a couple different schools now. And the reason that it is as effective as it is at St. Xavier has, has, a, has little to do with one guy or, or one player or, fi- or five players. And it has everything to do with multiple coaches taking a vested interest in making sure special teams are, are excel. And, and, you know, for anyone out there who coaches special teams, it's a frustrating experience when you have to coach special teams by yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I could tell you first and foremost, I'm not a good enough coach to do it on my own. It is, it is an almost impossible task. If I have to run the scout team, run the first team, run the second team, call the plays, set, set it up, blow the whistle, run all the drills. It is virtually impossible to coach the kids and the technique the right way if you don't have at least four guys coaching special teams. All right. And, you know, if it, the, the more the better. All right? But if, as long as there's four guys, it, it can be done and it can be done really efficiently. That was what I was going to ask you is, you know, how, how you try to break it up uh, by position. Um, you know, what, what assistant coaches are you using? You know, how, how do you get that done? And then I'll, I'll have another, another question after that, but I want to, I guess I'll just ask it now, you know, who are 
are some of the influences and coaches that you went to go see? So, so how do you kind of break it up on your staff? And then who are some of the great special teams coaches you'd learned a lot of your, uh, your technique and philosophy from Coach Flynn? So I'll answer the, the, the first question is, it's so hard, um, like over the phone, all right, to, to, to explain like how we run the drills and what drills we run and how we set them up. So I'm just going to give you like a, a quick glimpse without getting too specific. All right. So for example, if we do three on three punt, okay. And, and I have my punt rush guys and I'm teaching them the technique for running a hold up return. All right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to kind of coach everything. Okay. I have coach feminist who's the head coach will take the scout guys. So okay. coach feminist has three lines, three lines of scout guys. And he makes sure that those guys get up on the line and execute the technique, the punt protection technique that I want for the week. All right. Then what I'll do is I'll have one coach 35 yards down with a bag. All right. In each line. So there's going to be three lines. There's going to be three bags. So each coach has a bag. All right. So that's three guys back there. That's coach fem. That's four. And I'm five. I'll take the guys at the line of scrimmage, the punt block guys. All right. And so on the whistle, my punt block guys are going to have to block. They're going to have to hold up that, that punt protection guy for seven seconds. All right. Cause I, I think if we can block that guy for seven seconds. All right. Snap the kick 2.1 balls in the air for four seconds. Now we're at 6.1. All right. Now my returners got a, almost a full second to catch the ball and run. All right. And so what we'll do is I got the stopwatch and the whistle. Each coach has a bag. They're getting on the guys, you know, uh, motivating them. Uh, coach Fem's got the scout guys. That's one drill. There's probably like 40 more drills that we, that, that, that we have uh, for all the different special team segments. That's just one example. Of, there's no way, like I could, I could have a kid over there holding the bag, right? I could have a kid back there, and I guarantee when my guys get halfway down there, they're going to start jogging, you know? And so, you know, the more I can have a coach – uh, influencing the drill through motivation, positive or, 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 or critical uh, coaching <laughs> if a kid's not doing what he should be doing, you know. Um, one more example would be with kickoff return. Um, I'll have the front line go with me. I'll have the, the ends go with Coach Gleason and Coach Rika. Uh, I'll have the fullbacks and the returners go with Coach McEwen and Coach McHale. Um, Everyone is working different drills, you know, and I think now is a really good time to point this out. I do 80% drill work at the least and 20% team. Nice. I like to break up my special team stuff uh, as much as possible. I do more team the first week of camp than I do the whole rest of the year. Um, the only time I'll really do team is if, if, if something like, if something major involving like timing or space is messed up it's the only reason i'll go back and do team or if we run like a fake or if we're doing some sort of reverse or special situations i'll go team but i try to do as much drill work as i can i do very little teamwork and i do almost all drills and that, that kind of evolved from my first year of coaching to my about eighth or ninth year and you, you go team special teams okay let's run punt okay let's do team punt and the guys jog down. And you only got two teams, right? Yeah. And you want to go fast. Well, you can't. You can't go fast because the guys are going to die. You know, it's hot outside. They're going to suck wind. By your third rep, all you're doing is you're frustrated and you're yelling. So then my eighth, ninth, tenth year, 
started doing more drill work and I found that I can maximize reps. I can focus on certain areas of special teams um, in, in drills. Now, when I, when I do the drills, I try to replicate time and space. Okay, so if my, if my end on kickoff return starts at the 35 and drops to the 20 and gains inside leverage inside the hash, the drill that we do, he starts on the 35, fifth square to the ball, drops to the 20, gets as square as he can, and gets as square as he can, and stays as square as he can as long as he can, gets leverage, and then executes the block. That way the timing and the spacing is relevant to what he's going to do in the game. Um, so it, I hope that kind of answered the question. I do more drill work. I break it up, and I have five coaches, sometimes six. But I think at, at the high school level, you can get away with three or four coaches, but those guys got to be efficient. And, and I, would, I would just recommend anyone who does special teams to just emphasize technique and drill work. It, it, you know, you can, win, you can win a lot of battles on, on technique and drill work with most of the special teams. Um, better technique and, and just drilling it. When the kids get in the game, they know exactly what they need to do. Uh, the other thing, too, is when we get in the, in the film room, um, I, I had the opportunity to meet with Coach Slovic, which will segue into, into the second question. Coach Slovic is – he's one of the best football coaches I've ever been around. If, if, if any of you guys have never met the man, he, he is an absolute – like, that's who he is. Like, he's a football coach. Um, he was the head coach at the University of St. Francis. He coached at Jolie Catholic Academy. Um, he came over to St. Xavier, and uh, he just recently retired. But he has an awesome objective form for special teams for the kids when they get in the film room. Um, you know, did you do this? Did you do that? And it's yes or no. There's no way you could fib it, you know? Um, and so getting the kids in the film, they know they're going to be evaluated in, in the film room. Um, and so that's kind of where we're at with that. Uh, some of the coaches that influenced me, Coach Slovic is, is my hero, man. Um, the guy, I, I've met with him probably 10 times over the last like seven years, six years. And every time I met with him, I said, coach, let's go over punt protection, kickoff return, and kickoff coverage. And he would say, no problem. And after five hours of sitting there, we would get like halfway through punt protection. <laughs> um, that's just the, and, and that's just the type of guy he was, man. And I, I learned when I was coaching with Pasolano, I was kind of winging it, you know, like <laughs> relatively new to like the, the, the uh, intricacies. You know, obviously you kick the ball, you catch it, and you run with it, right? But there's so many more intricacies involving special teams. And I learned a lot of it from, from Mike Slovic. And I kind of tried to, like, like, I saw the way he prepared. And I don't think anyone in the history of the game prepares like that guy. And, and I know that's kind of, a, kind of a bold statement, but he truly is, was a, is a tremendous coach. Um, I tried to emulate a lot of what I, I did after him. I'm nowhere close to him. Uh, but hopefully someday I could I – get close to where he's at you know uh jimmy hall was my high school coach um and is a is a a, a close friend of mine now he's a legendary baseball coach at lockport uh lockport high school um and coach football at lockport high school and uh and and that's where that's where i went to high school uh bill porter uh was my position coach at lockport and uh it's ironically it's aj porter's dad and so aj and i coached together with Pasolano. He was a tremendous coach, and then my college coaches. Uh, those guys were pretty unbelievable. 
All right. They emphasized special teams and uh, technique and drill work. And then I kind of took that with me into my coaching. So I was going to say, I like what you said about the, uh, you know, the taking the indie and the skills and the fundamentals and then taking it over to, you know, like you said, 80% of that 20% team being able to focus on that and then coming together at the end. I always thought there was a great carryover because, you know, every single punt you were going to do was, had to be the most important play because, you know, one, one blown no punt doubt. and all of a sudden it's huge. I thought you could really emphasize that because now you go from India, it's like, all right, hey, we're going to do two perfect reps of punt. And rather than them sitting there like, oh, That's great, it. now, now I got to do 10, I got to do 10 punts. And like you said, they're going to jog, they're going to half-ass it maybe a little bit. Well, now if it's, hey, if you do two perfect ones, we're done, it could really simulate that urgency in the game. So I like you said that. Yeah, and so what we'll do is, like, I'll, I'll figure out how many guys, how many scout guys and how many depth-charted guys I have. And I really like five guys in a line, four guys in a line, five guys in a line. Any more, any less than four, the guys start to get really tired. It depends how fast you want to go, too. If it's a drawer, I really want to go fast, I'll put five guys in a line. Um, if it's a drawer, I'm going to go a little slower, I'll put four guys in a line. And that'll ensure that I can get them maximum reps and not kill them you know, and, and they're going to go hard. The other thing too, that I forgot to mention is the bag creates competition. All right. If you put a returner back there, a human body, they know they can't hit that human body. They know that, and that human body is going to jog and it's going to piss you off. All right. <laughs> and so the bag creates competition. Um, a guy told me that about five years ago and I was kind of like, man, I don't know. There's a bag back there. If you put a bag back there and tell Johnny, Johnny, don't let Steve get to that bag. Don't let him get to the bag. Johnny will beat the piss out of Steve for seven seconds. And if Steve gets to the bag, Johnny's going to be mad that he lost. All right. If you put a human body back there, both of them aren't going to care. They're both going to jog because they realize it's not, you know, they can't hit them. It's not realistic. But for some reason, when I, and I, when I do my punt block drills or my punt return drills or my kickoff coverage drills, if I put a bag back there, and tell the guys nobody gets to that bag. It creates competition, man. All right. And so the bag creates competition. And I truly believe it. And it actually works, surprisingly. You know, I like how you talk about, you know, Wall's already said it. You've got the majority you're doing indie drills and then come together. And so the other big one, it always seems like with special teams, because it is so important. And, and to me, there's such weird rules is, is how much time do you spend or, or how do you get in time to teach your kids some of these? And, you know, to me, weird special team rules that maybe don't make sense or that kids just aren't very – Yeah. Just doesn't, you know, they change year to year or uh, the kids have only seen it a couple of times their whole life, so they just, they just don't know it off the top of their head like a false start, like, an, uh, you know, a holding. All right, so, like, for example, uh, when, when, we're doing, when we're doing punt block, okay, my last – my second to last rep is a ball that's blocked that goes past the line of scrimmage. And all I do on the snap, I tell the snapper, I said, hey, fake the snap here. And the kids know when they fake the snap, I got a ball in my hand, and I'm going to do something with it, okay? All right? And so I say, just fake the snap here. So when they do, they all look right at me, and I throw the ball past the line of scrimmage. All right? And they know, get away from it. All right? Get away from it. It's just a punt. If, if, we, if we touch that ball, now it's live, okay? And the other two could come and pick it up, and then they, they get the ball at the spot of first touching. All right? Then the last rep, I say, hey, fake the snap here. And then I, I throw it backwards like it's blocked behind the line of scrimmage, all right? And then we scoop and score on that. We don't fall on it, 
All right. And then we just go over why, you know, why, why are we not going to fall on that? All right. Why do we want to scoop and score it? All right. And those are just two instances. Um, but I do one rep a day. So when I do punt block, I do one rep on a ball block forward and one rep on a ball block backward every day. Every time I do punt block, I do one rep of each. It takes like, like 15 seconds, you know, and it's more of a mental rep, you know, and, uh, Field goal, field goal block, the same thing, you know, where we have the one guy's going to block it, the other guy's my scoop guy. All right, now you just teach them the rules that way. Uh, the other thing that's beneficial is in college, I have more time to do film, film work with the kids, you know. Whereas in high school, you know, the kids got to catch the bus, man, at 545. They got to be on the bus. You know, offensive coordinator wants films, defensive coordinator wants films. You know, in the morning, kids got zero-hour class it's a lot harder to, to get that film time um, with the special teams guys in high school. But, you know, I, I meet with the kids a minimum of two days a week to watch film. And uh, um, we do, we do a lot of that in the, in the film room too. I love that stuff. I think, uh, you know, the, the two things, just like you said right there, I mean, using the bag to, to create that competition and then being able to practice the two different returns, I mean, those are the things that, you know, I'm, I'm looking to add because those are the details I think that kind of fall through the cracks. And, and Harper's already said, it. I mean, it seems like special teams coaches always have those, those little simple drills or those little simple things that they're, they're able to get done because they do have a, a limited amount of time. Speaking of which, yeah, how know, much so time kind of, do you get daily? I get a ton of time, man. Oh, you're um, lucky. I'm very fortunate. <laughs> I know. I'm very fortunate. So, um, and we do field goal every day. All right. And so we'll do field goal every single day. It's about three to five minutes. Okay. Um, 10 minutes to start practice every day. We do our individual specialists. So holders, snappers, kickers, returners, punters. Um, we work 10 minutes a day after stretch. Uh, we'll do field goal for three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. All right. And then, after know, halfway through practice, we'll do our first special team segment. Uh, so, for example, uh, we'll do punt halfway through practice, and then we'll do kickoff at the end of practice or kickoff return at the end of practice. So each segment is about 10 to 12 minutes. So I get, you know, for punt, 10 minutes, for kickoff return, 10 minutes, for field goal, 5 minutes, and then I got 10 minutes at, at, at the, before practice starts to do our individual specialist. So I'm looking at like 35, uh, 10 to like 35 minutes a day. Um, you know, and, and the tough part is, is that 10 minutes for punt. Cause I got, I got a lot of drills I want to run. I, I asked coach Femme if I could have 15 minutes and he told me if I asked him again, he was firing me. So, uh, <laughs> and so I played for him too, which is pretty awesome. I played for him uh, for four years. I coached there in 2004 and I, I, and, uh, I was, a, a GA volunteer coach. And my parents told me when I came home and said, Hey, you know, mom, dad, uh, you know, I really enjoyed my experience coaching. And I think that's what I'm going to do next year. My parents were so happy. They're like, Oh, we're so proud of you. That's awesome. What are you getting paid? So I'm volunteering <laughs> mom. And she said, <laughs> I can't say what she said, but I ended up teaching at a high school the next year. So, uh, so <laughs> Everything goes full circle. Now I'm back coaching there, which is tremendous. So, Coach, I, I've always kind of thought that the toughest part with special teams, at, at least, um, you know, it, it seems like the most difficult part for the players-wise is getting a, a team that is bought in. 
Right? It's it's like the bought in two special teams. Like uh, you can have all the great drills, all the everything you want, but if it's not like a big deal for these kids to get to play special teams, and it's not you know it's not just lip service about it being a huge part of the game. It's truly big, and they truly want to play special teams. It seems like that's a huge part of the game, especially with special teams uh, when it you know when it comes to special teams. So what are some ways that you do get some of that buy-in and, and how do you get the buy-in from your team that says, you know, special teams is a big deal to me. I want to be on special teams. So I think the first thing is the head coach must be committed. All right. If, if special teams is going to be a big thing in your program, I think the head coach has to have like a stake in the game. All right. He's got to either, he's got to either be in on those meetings He's got to be in on the coaching. He's got to be running those drills. But the head coach has to be the one to kind of set the tone, all right? Um, and I've, and, and, you know, I'll be the first to, to, to tell you, I've coached in some programs where, where it is that way, you know, where the head coach cares a lot about special. And I've also coached in others where the head coach kind of cares. And when the head coach kind of cares about something, the players really don't care. Um, I think the other thing, too, is I think that whoever coaches the special teams you have to develop relationships with the kids. You know, you got to be hard on them at times, all right, and hold them accountable, but you have to be able to, like, let some stuff go. Um, you know, and it, it's one of those dynamics. In a couple of years, I did a tremendous job with that. In a couple of years, I did a terrible job with it, you know. <laughs> and, and the years it seemed where I did a, a terrible job of develop, developing relationships with kids, it was a struggle to get them committed, you know. Um, and so I think really developing relationships with kids. And that was last year was my first year at St. X and going into the year, I had two things that I wanted to do. I wanted to be ultra organized. All right. And and you said you had a chance to look at the special team stuff. I started this like 14 years ago. Um, and every year I changed it, but last year I worked especially hard on it. I wanted to make sure that I was ultra organized. And the most important thing was I wanted to develop relationships with kids, you know, there are certain kids you could yell at. There are certain kids you can't, you know, there are certain kids you could, you know, break down their technique and coach them in front of other kids. And there's certain kids that kind of get soft about it, you know? And so I wanted to get to know what type of kids that I had. Um, and I wanted to just develop relationships with them. And now that I'm in my second year, I I'm, I'm really happy because I feel like I did that. Like I, I, I developed really good relationships with the kids. Not every kid's going to like you, obviously. Sure. All right. <laughs> but, if you, if you get them to like respect you, you know, Hey, this guy's organized. He works hard. He believes in it. We also, it also worked out well too. Cause we had some success at stuff that we did, you know, and, and, and we won last year. We won a lot of games. We had some success with special teams, you know, and it, and it worked out. I think the other thing too, that uh, my goal going into this year was to incorporate a system of evaluation, like a more objective system for evaluation. Uh, in the film room. I mean, like I said, I met with Coach Slovic. I'm going to meet with him again. Uh, but I think in the film room, when the kids know, like, hey, you know, I'm getting graded on this stuff. And, and, and you know, when we're in the film room, you know, you can't lie. You know, it, it, it is what it is. And then I get a grade at the end of the week. And then, and then I post the grade at the end of the week. Hmm. Um, I think that kind of also develops, develops a little bit of uh, competitiveness within the kids, you know. Coach, you're looking through your, your special teams Bible again, as, as I put it, you know, I love how you have it organized, you know, you're kind of talking about 
the, the philosophy of each unit, and then you, you go into the, the fundamentals for each guy, and then you go into the scheme. And then, of course, you kind of always go to, to everybody's favorite part, your, your fakes or, or your onside yeah. kicks. Um, maybe talk about a, a couple of your, your favorite things or, or maybe the, the progression as to when you start putting those things in. Do you put those in right away uh, so you kind of have a bank to pull from, or is it something where – you know, you're kind of working it week to week and all of a sudden you pull it out and you'll really kind of hammer away at it for a, for a special, you know, special play that week. Well, I think it depends. I mean, I'm looking at the kickoff return depth chart for this year. And we have like out of the, out of like 25 guys that were on kickoff return last year, I have like 18 of them back or 19 of them back. And the six or seven, eight new guys that I have, they're pretty athletic kids. I'm, I'm excited about it. I might be able to work at a little faster pace this year because the guys know the fundamentals and the technique. You know, last year being my first year, they didn't know the fundamentals and the technique of like the way that I coached it, you know? And so it took us a little longer. Um, you know, what I did last year was I, 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 I kick off return. I installed my right and left return. So we went into week one with our right and left return. Um, which you're a little shorthanded there, all right? Because if I always say, do we, are we getting a lot of funnel or are we getting a lot of flow? If we're getting a lot of funnel, like guys like funneling to the ball, then we want to go right or left. If we got guys that are kind of flowing hard, all right, um, you know, then, then, then we might want to go, we might want to go middle return or kind of, kind of counter action on them. And so, you know, I went in the first game with Brave, Brave, you know, Braveheart right, Braveheart left, because I felt at that time for my team and my players, they, 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 at that time, they got the technique down. Uh, they knew what, they knew what to do scheme wise. They got the technique down. We were ready to go with those two. I don't think we were ready for middle return yet. You know, and because we weren't ready for middle return, I don't think we were ready for a reverse. Okay. And then week three, you know, after teams began to flow really hard and you know, they began to flow really hard, I said, you know what, let's, Let's put in the middle return. So we put the middle return in, and we hit two big returns that week on our middle return. Okay, and then, and then that week we also started practicing the reverse. And I like to keep that reverse for, like, a special time. You know, I don't want to run it just to run it. All right, now I do run fakes just to run them on punt because if you do that, guys are going to stop rushing you. All right? Yep. I kick off return. I basically use that because I think, I think you could take average athletes on kickoff return I think you could teach them technique and you could get a lot of really good returns if they do what they're coached to do. Um, but on punt, I don't really care about that. I, I want to show a fake early because I, I don't want people rushing me, man. All right. I have sleepless nights over it. I see nine, 10 guys on the line. It, it's nerve wracking. If fake one time every two or three weeks, you'll get six guys rushing you. And if they want to rush nine or 10 all the time, fake on them. Or you could have your JV team. Your, your sophomore team, freshman team, whatever. Have the team rush 10 and not account for eligible receivers and just snap it to your, snap it to your personal protector and throw it to the guy. You, your freshman versus your varsity, your freshman team will, will be successful faking eight out of 10 times. All right. So if a team wants to rush nine or 10, you got to be willing to fake, you know? And I think one way to get them out of rushing nine or 10 is, is to fake early. The net effect, even if you don't get it, they're not going to want to rush you. All right. I could tell you right now as a, as a, a coach that coaches punt block, if a team has shown <laughs> a pass fake and a run fake, 
I'm 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 a little nervous. And if I do rush, it's calculated. Punt it's, safe. it's either field position based. <laughs> it's either field position based, or if I do bring guys, I'm accounting for every eligible receiver except the guys in the backfield. But then if you if you if you have that guy in the backfield go out for a pass and throw it to him, now I'm really now I'm really worried because they're throwing a pass to a to a to a if they're in the shield to a guy back there. I, I wouldn't rush. I wouldn't rush him. It's not worth it. You know? Well, I always, and, and I, always oh. think that, I always think they rush those guys, and, and I just see so many penalties, and, and that's just my nightmare as an offensive line coach. I'm sitting over there. We're about to get the ball. We decide to do a punt block, and then uh, we run into the kicker. And, and, and it's just like, oh, my God. And almost nothing more sickening than, than a penalty that, that changes uh, possession of the ball in special teams. Yeah, if I could give one tip on punt block, okay? I believe kickoff return, you can take average athletes and have great returns on kickoff return. I think on kickoff coverage, if you teach them technique, fundamentals, you could have, you could have great kickoff coverage with, with, with solid athletes. You don't need the great ones. Mm-hmm. I have found that it's so hard to block a punt. It's so hard to return a punt for a touchdown if you don't have your best players on punt block and punt return. Mm-hmm. All right? It, you know. And that's the one special team, in my opinion, it's so hard to make plays if the guys aren't your best athletes, you know, and uh, especially with the shield punt, the shield punt makes it so difficult to block a punt, you know, and, 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 and as a returner, you know, if, if those guys are special guys, you're going to look really good as a coach um, on punt block. That's the, that's the one, that's the one, one uh, segment on special teams where I really think if you want to make dynamic plays, you got to have great athletes on, on that one segment. Because there was a stat, and I'm going to totally butcher this. So anybody listening to me, don't fact check me on this because I'm wrong, okay? It was something like this. In the NFL, over the last eight years, and again, I'm way off on this, okay? But you'll get the gist of why I'm telling it to you. In the last eight years, four guys have blocked 80% of the punts in the NFL. In the last eight years, four guys have blocked 80% of the punts. Wow. You know, it just, it's just, it's a unique skill. And if you fact check me, I don't know how far off I would be on it, but it's close. <laughs> All right. It, it's, it's amazing. Like how specific that skill is and not everybody could do it. The first thing is certain guys can get there. They, they have the time to get there, but once they get there, they have no clue what to do. So you're really looking for the guy that can he get there? All right. Can he fight through a block? All right. And, and get to full speed. But then once he gets there, does he know what to do? And that is, it's, 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 it's one of the most specified, unique positions on the field, a punt blocker, all right? And then a punt return speaks for itself, you know? Good vision, got to be able to catch the ball, got to be able to run, break tackles, all that other stuff. But the, the guy that blocks the punt, that's a special, that's a special character. Coach, when do you – And if you don't have you, them, if you don't – go ahead. I was just, just going to keep going, man. If you don't have that guy – you don't have that special guy who can block a punt. Don't waste your time with it. You know what I mean? I mean, you're going to coach it up, obviously, because you may need it. But everyone says, well, what's your identity on punt block? I don't, I don't really have an identity until the season starts and I'm in week four. All right, because by then I know whether I have that cat that can block a punt. If I got him, I'm going to utilize him, okay? If I have a returner who is dynamic, I want him to score. I want him to score. I want to get the ball in his hands as much as I can. So we can score. So, and it takes time, you know, sometimes in practice, 
you know, you, you don't sometimes know what you have until that guy's on the field playing, you know? Um, and, and so, you know, so I don't know what my identity is from year to year until the season progresses, everything sorts itself out. And then once you figure out what your identity is, I kind of go with it, you know, but I, we still work on everything. Cause if we need it, we have to have it, you know? Is that is that the same thing with field goal block as well? It, does it is it a, is a certain guy that's going to be able to block a field goal, or is it more um, you know what you're doing or finding a weakness in the field goal uh, protection team? Yeah, so field goal block. All right, I, I've tried a million different things, and the one thing that I found is if the operation time is on point, you'll never block a kick from the outside gap. All right. You, or the or the gap inside the wing. You'll never if the operation time is good. You'll very almost never. I think I've seen one field goal blocked from the outside gap, and that's because the operation time was was horrible. You know. So what does that mean? <laughs> Most blocks come in the A and B gap. Mm-hmm. All right. And so what, what what we try to do uh, is we try to attack the A and B gap with multiple bodies. You know. And depending on NCAA rules or high school rules, uh, you got to be you got to be cautious about what you do because you can't you can't put three guys um, going into one gap or three guys going onto one guy. All right, and so two guys can go into one gap, one guy's got to go into another gap. But but you know I want guys what they're going to do is they're going to come off the ball, thousand one thousand two, and they're going to jump. If they get in the backfield, thousand one thousand two, their hands are together and they're jumping. Now, it's 1.3 seconds. It's not a ton of time. Um, and, and you know, it, it's not like punt where you want to run through the block point, where you want to shoot your hands low and run through the block point. On field goal, I'm hoping I can get a lot of penetration and jump, and the ball hits, hits one of my big six 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 five six four guys um, in, his, in, his, in his big hands. And that's where you see most, most field goals blocked at our level. Now, if the operation time is really bad, and you think you can get one off the edge, great. But I, I've, I've only seen it a handful of times, you know. And Coach Feminist, when I met with him last year, Coach Feminist, he said, you know, I don't know how many we've blocked, but over the last 20 years, I'll bet you we've blocked over 50 field goals and extra points. Um, wow. We actually got the, the field goal block. And it's, it, it's, we got a middle block, we got a right block, a left block, joker right, joker left, and then we sell out. So – and all the guys except one or two on all those different calls are doing the same thing. You know, uh, if the ball's on the hash, we're going to go with the block because obviously the ball now is, is going to be over that B gap more, not the A gap. Okay. So we'll take one guy over and put him over, but their, their goal is to be shoulder to shoulder. And we want to demolish that guard, the center and the guard. We want to get as much penetration, thousand, one thousand two, and get our hands up. We want big body guys, uh, big body, tall guys on that. On punt block, I want athletic guys that can run and uh, uh, guys that can run, you know, for, for punt block. So totally different personnel between the two. That's what I was going to say. Walls, I don't know if you were still at Tulsa when, when SMU had Margus Hunt, but he blocked like uh, some yeah. ungodly amount of field goals. And, and it was like we were, we were getting ready for that, and I wasn't on the field goal team, but just I was, I was a backup for field goal. But I just remember, you know, we had – you know, field goal blocks, which I thought was all exactly the same. Everything was always the same, you know, designed exactly for him, you know, for, for how are we going to block Marcus Hunt uh, to keep him from blocking a field goal. And then one year we had a, like a six seven guy that didn't play anything other than field goal blocker. And, and kind of like you said, Coach, we had, um, you know, a, a two or three big-bodied guys get as much penetration as they could, 
uh, allow our tall guy to, to take a step forward and, and jump as high as he could and, and, and try to knock it down, especially on, uh, you know, longer uh, field goals, not necessarily PATs. Right, right. Yeah, so we were playing last year, we were playing the University of St. Francis out of Joliet. And our Mike linebacker, Danny Siraco, he's a, a redshirt freshman. All right, and I always tell the kids this, guys, if you make a full-speed decision, if you make a full-speed decision, all right, and you make the wrong decision, I'm not going to yell at you, okay? And so now they have a little fun with it because every time they make a mistake, they smile at me and say, Coach, I made a full-speed decision. <laughs> I was going full-speed. Right? <laughs> I was going full-speed. And so I tell the kids, I want them to play aggressive. I want to, Here's the technique we use. Here's what the scheme says. Make a full-speed decision. You guys have played football your whole life. So Danny Siraco is our Mike linebacker. He has to account for the kicker and the holder, okay? If we call joker right or joker left, he's going to insert himself, all right? Now, if they throw a fake to the kicker or the holder, then he's going to be wide open, right? Hmm. So, so we, we just called middle block, okay? We just called middle block. And what does Danny Siraco do? He inserts himself and blocks the field goal. We end up winning by three points at the end of the game, <laughs> all right? And I come out and go, Danny, what do we call? Middle black. I go, what are you doing? What if they faked? He goes, coach, I made a full speed decision. <laughs> and I said, I go, that's good, Danny. And at the end of the game, we won by three. It was a huge play, you know? And I said, Danny, here's the deal. That's like if I'm in baseball, I give you the hit and run sign, right? And you drive a ball 400 feet to the outfield fence, and the guy catches it at the base of the fence. I'm going to be pretty ticked off you didn't hit the ball on the ground. Now, if that ball goes 402 feet and it goes over the fence, I'm going to tell you a way to be an athlete. That's a great play. Good instinct, kid. <laughs> you know, and so, I mean, so that's that. I mean, field goal block, you know, it's, it's, it's extremely simple, but, but it's extremely effective. You know, we, we want to get six guys in that A and B gap. Um, what we do on the outside is we, we have our corners and our safeties account for the tight ends in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the wings. Um, and we basically say, get into your guy. Don't let him. Don't let him off the line. Once the ball is kicked, we want you to accelerate into the backfield, and you become a scoop guy. All right. And so we're trying to block it with our interior seven, and we take away fakes with our with our exterior four. Um, but we we insert them as scoop guys. The ball is blocked. Right when that ball is about to be kicked, we want you to, you know, shock that guy, lock him up. All right, and then dip and rip. All right, or throw him to the side. All right, swim around there, get in the backfield, and look to scoop the ball and score. That way we think we got the best of both worlds. We're going to lock down the eligible receivers. You're not going to be able to fake on us. Blocks don't come from the outside much anyway. And, and we, we get our best six, seven guys in the inside to get those blocks. Not to mention then you, got, <clears throat> you got your fast guys now running and scooping and scoring. So when you do get the ball, good chance <clears throat> fast guys are going to take it to the house unless they get a super fast kicker or something. <laughs> yeah, which would be embarrassing. That'd be actually be a good one for the film room. Yes, you know? it would. Coach, I was going to ask you about onside kicks and and uh, you know sky kicks, things like that. To me, that was always one of my favorite parts. Is you know stealing possessions. You know, you never know when you're going to do it. The surprise onsides, and then if you had a, a kicker that could drop the ball in spots, and you had speed guys. I, I just thought that was such a weapon. We had that like my second year in coaching. We had a kid that could literally put it you know, right on that sideline where we could have a fast dude run, run kind of in between the, uh, the second line and the front line. Yeah. Right. And, and we got five or six of them, just free balls like that. What, what are some things you do with your, your kickoff coverage to kind of turn that into a weapon as well? 
Yeah. So the first thing is it's got to be practice, right? So it's like, if you want to be good at anything, I tell my kids, you want to be good in golf? You better practice it. You better practice the, the putter, the pitching wedge. You got to be able to hit the driver, right? And mm-hmm. so, so on kickoff coverage, your deep kicks are like your driver, right? You ain't going to be any good in golf if you don't have a driver, all right? Yep. If you can't, and on a par five, you're going to be shooting eighths if, if you pull out a pitching wedge and you hit it all the way down the, down the hole. <laughs> and so, you know, our deep kicks are like a driver, you know, and then we, we pull out the pitching wedge and we hit our, we call them rows of the little, they're our pooch kicks. Our goal is to drop them at the 25-yard line on the numbers. Um, you know, and then we have, uh, we have uh, multiple onsides, but at the end of the day, those kickers, they have to practice it, you know, yep. and, and, and a couple reps, they, you know, they don't have to bomb 80 kicks a day, but when they, when they, when they, on the, when they're on their heavy day worth of work, they need to work on their, you know, self onsides, or we call them Ohio onsides where the kicker onsides, it recovers it himself. All right. Uh, that's one that I really love, uh, where you take your R5 and L5 and you have them block the center. And, uh, and that kicker onsides it, you know, to the right or the left of that guy, and the kicker recovers the onside himself. I've had a lot of success running that one. Um, and then we really pick out guys, you know, like, hey, that tackle bails early, so we're going to do a surprise onside, and, you know, and we practice it, you know. Um, you know, I have a little circuit uh, in the special teams manual where it's an onside circuit, mm-hmm. or where guys that are going to be fielding onside, so our hands team, they work catching onside. You know, two minutes, all right, there's four kickers. There's four guys blasting balls, four lines, all right, and we get as many reps fielding onside. Think about it. You're asking a kid on hands team to go out there and make one of the most important plays of the year, and I'll bet you most teams don't practice, don't actually practice it. They get two or three reps a week, and then you're asking a kid to go out there and do something, and then when he drops the dang thing, <laughs> everybody's mad at him. You yeah. know what I mean? And so. So, hey, if I want to be good at fielding bouncing balls, we're going to do it a lot. If I want to be good at kicking bouncing balls, get that ball to bounce, bounce, and then whatever, however you want it to work, then we got to practice that. You know, so when that kid goes in, you know, I make a lot of analogies, but like in baseball, if a pitcher, he steps on the rubber and he's, he loses his composure and he's not confident and he doesn't know what he's doing and he can't find a way out of his funk, it's because he didn't prepare the right way most of the time. You know, and, and kickers are the same way, all right? If they prepare to the extent in which they should prepare, they're going to hit that onside. If they don't prepare the right way, then they're not going to execute um, in a tough spot. So, you know, they got to practice it, and every day they kick, they should work Ohio's, must onsides, surprise onsides, you know. The other thing that was cool is that, you know, as a, I played wide receiver, um, and I was on special teams, but I played wide receiver when I was younger. and uh, I never kicked. So I was like, well, how many balls should these guys be kicking? I, and I just sent a couple of the big name guys in the country uh, that deal with kicking. I just sent them an email and said, hi, I'm a, I'm a small college football coach. And I want to know how many balls my guys should be kicking a day. And they, they responded back to me nicely. That's the other thing too, man. I think a lot of guys sometimes are hesitant to reach out to people and say, hey, I want to learn, man. I want to learn. Can I come shadow you? Can I come, can I come meet with you? And I, I did it twice in the last year, three times actually, and all three people said, absolutely, come on, come on down. I'd love to meet with you. you know. And I had some pretty cool experiences. Uh, I went to Northwestern earlier this year, um, and I met with a guy named Jeff Jenick. Um, 
And if you go on online and you type his name and he's got a, some awesome special teams videos. Um, and then I went to another place, which is pretty awesome. And we'll, we'll talk, well, I'll talk to you later about that second place. I can't really say where it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't want the, uh, you don't want the kicker, uh, chili dip in the wedge walls. <laughs> no, man. <clears throat> no, I, I, I love all that stuff. I mean, again, I just think it, just again, looking through the thing and you were nice enough to share it with me. There, there's just so many cool things. I think that you can, you could kind of cherry pick and, and put in there. And I know coach, you, you've covered a, a few of these. Um, last thing I'll say is, you know, what, what about some fakes? You know, what are, what are some of your, your favorite fakes that you might like, or, or maybe you got a couple of cool stories where you, you did a fake and it blew open a game, or, you know, maybe you told Pasolano that you should fake and he didn't want to do it, but you did it anyway and it worked or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> He'd kill me, man. No, uh, you know, last year, last year, actually, uh, we had worked our reverse on kickoff returns and we worked it every week. So when we do our individual specialists, my reverse guys, they got to get five reverses a day. All right. Because again, it's a funky thing, right? That guy's not used to taking a handoff. Right. And so yeah. we worked that reverse five times a day for five weeks, six weeks and never ran it. Wow. And so we're playing, we're playing a school and uh, we're down 14 points in the second quarter. And and I, I believe it was 14, and they just scored again. Now we're down 21 points, and we should beat this team, right? So I go up to the head coach, who I love, and I said, Coach, I, I, I think now is – and I couldn't even get out of my mouth. He goes, no, we're not running the reverse. <laughs> so I take a step back, and, and I'm like, Coach, I, I said, no, we're not running the reverse. Like, okay, how am I going to get him to listen to me? <laughs> and so I go, Coach, I go, Coach – because he worked with the punt team. I go, you've run eight fakes on punt this year. I've run a single one on kickoff return. We're down 21 points. And he goes, fine. He goes, go and run it. If you don't get it, you're fired. And he is obviously joking. Uh, but, but he's like, and I'm like, coach, I'm telling you right now, I guarantee we get it. Okay. So we run the reverse and he kicks it exactly where I wanted him to kick it. Like exactly, he kicked it right on the right on the on the his left hash, my right hash. It's the absolute perfect spot to to kick it because we're gonna run left, okay, and and that's a lot of field, and we're gonna get a ton of flow that way. All right, when they kick it, when they kick it on the opposite hash, you don't get as much flow, okay. Mm -hmm. And so it was perfect, man. He he caught it, and he runs out there. Everybody flowed, and he handed it off, and two guys missed their block. Oh. All right, I'm like, oh my god! So I'm watching this, but see, but we have we have safeguards in place with the non-returner. So the non-returner is a SIP player, so he has responsibilities. You know, we're kind of like option football, where if something happens, he bypasses and goes to the next guy. If something happens there, he bypasses and goes to the next guy. So he saw the one guy miss the block, and he he crushed the guy. He absolutely crushed him, and he, he returns it. He gets it to like the 25 yard line on their side, and we we score like two plays later. Um, but that, that was a pretty cool memory and I'm glad it worked because now I got it on film. So this year when we practice it, I can tell <laughs> the kids, we may not run it a lot, but we're down 21 points in the conference championship game. And, and we pull it out, we run it, we score, we end up winning the game by seven points, you know? And so th that'll get a little buy-in from the kids to actually continue to work hard at, cause we're going to run it once. I don't know when we're going to run it, but we're going to run it. Um, the other thing too, that, that I had a lot of success with were, were like Deeks. So, we started with one returner back and then 
as the year progressed, I had two guys that were real good athletes, so I put two guys back. The one guy would fake like he's going to catch it, and then the other guy is the one who catches it. Um, our punt return average was not very good last year, and then we started running this. And I don't know whether teams were worried about it or, you know, but what, had, what, what it caused was everybody would spread the whole field. Guys mm-hmm. stopped going to the return, so it opened up lanes for us. We ran it like seven or eight times last year. And um, we got some big returns running it in big spots, you know, where uh, where the guy would – one guy would fake like he's going to catch it, and then the other guy uh, would be the actual guy catching. We should have housed one. Um, you know, one guy on, on, on the opposing team, see, on the shield punt, they'll tell those shield guys because they're big and they can't move or they can't tackle anybody. The one guy just go to the middle of the field, this guy go to the hash, that guy go to the hash. They just go to the hash most of the time. Well, the one guy went to the hash and had no clue where the ball was. And the next thing you know, my returner's running at him. And instead of going to the sideline against a 6'4", 300-pound slow guy, he cuts back and gets tackled. Um, uh, and, and I rewound it and replayed it like 37 times in the meeting room, and the kids were laughing at him. And I, and I just I zoomed in on the kid because he was so unathletic. He was about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and could not run at all. You know, and he cut back on him. You know, oh man! And, uh, and so I really like the Deeks. They're fun. The kids buy into it. Um, and then I really like uh, the reverse on kickoff return. And then any fake you draw up, any fake, as long as you practice it, and as long as they give you the numbers that you want to see or the alignment that you want to see, you know, um, it'll work. It'll work most times as long as they give you the numbers. And if they don't give you the numbers of the alignment, you got to have a you got to check out of it. You know. Yep. So yep. We'll, we've checked out of some. Most of the time, if I call it, I know what I'm going to get, um, you know, and, and every once in a while you got to check out of it, you know, but uh, as long as you, you drop a fake and you practice it and you're prepared, it's going to work more times than not. One last thing too on fakes for field goal and punt, you need to utilize the offensive line coach. Okay. Um, because, you know, with, with, you know, uh, combo blocks and, and, you know, blocking back and then going up to the linebacker, that's, that's way over my head. Those offensive line guys are so smart. All I do is I say, hey, how would you block this? And they explain their terminology. You know, you guys got all of that fancy terminology for, uh, for offensive line play. Um, and so, uh, so I take your fancy terminology and I use it on special teams when it, when it, for fakes. But the offensive line coach is the one that needs to help the special teams guy design how you're going to block it. Because if you get a 6-2 look as opposed to an eight-man front look as opposed to you know, a five-three look on punt, it, it, it varies, and so that offensive line guy could tell you exactly how you want to block it. You know, coach. One of my last, one of my last questions, and, and I'll save my last one, I guess, for for the very end. But one of my last questions is: uh, I go to a couple different college coaches, and and um, thought I was going to be working with punt team a little more than I did, and and so I'm trying to figure out what what we're going to do. And and almost every college coach I go to talks about. You need to be doing shield punt. Shield punt's the easiest one to put in. It, it's hard to block. It's it's this, this, and this, and and uh, it wasn't what we were looking to do as a team. But uh, you you mentioned it as well, doing shield punt. So what are some of the big uh, benefits or the the assets of uh, you know shield punt? Okay, so less coaching technique. Okay, there's still technique, right? But the whole vertical set, right? You know, uh, inside foot up, outside foot back. One, two, one, two, two hands on, ride them out. It's a lot of technique, and it takes a ton of athleticism. 
All right, so the protection aspect of it um, is easier to teach, it's easier to execute, okay? Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is you have safeguards. You got three big bodies back there. You can miss a block. As long as you got a hat on a hat, you can miss a block and you still are, it's still nearly impossible as long as the, the shield does their job to block a punt. The third thing is you get seven guys. You get seven guys in pursuit 1.5 seconds after the ball is snapped. So before that ball is even kicked, you got seven guys running down there to, to tackle the punt returner. I always say I want to force a fair catch. That's my goal. I want to force the fair catch. You know, and so really when you look at those reasons, it's harder to block a punt. You get more guys in pursuit. You're going to force more fair catches. I think the blocking schemes are easier too. All right, so it takes less practice time, uh, less coaching technique, even though there still is technique. Um, uh, better protection, better pursuit. In my opinion, there's no better, uh, no better punt protection than the tight shield. All right, now when guys start detaching guys, you could have issues, okay? Mm -hmm. So the tight shield would be seven guys across, three guys seven yards deep at the shield, and then the punter at 14 yards, okay? That's a very basic example, all right? I don't believe in, in detaching guys as soon as you walk, unless you're going to rugby out of it, all right? Mm -hmm. um, and then that gets into a whole other thing, and I love rugby punting. I absolutely love it, yes. um, especially for high school especially for high school. Um, but that, that maybe is a conversation for another day, but the tight shield is the absolute, is the absolute uh, best punt protection. Um, in my opinion, it's hard to block. You get seven guys down. It's, it's, it's awesome. Awesome. That's, that's exactly what I was to, asking. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I wanted to know. Yeah. I had the opportunity to study like a, a couple major universities, like their, their punt protection schemes and um, pretty much, with some wrinkles here or there, everyone does it the same way. All right, there's a right side and a left side. That right side is going to block a certain way. That left side is going to block a certain way, okay? And the strength goes in the direction of the kick most of the time. So we kick right, you got a right strength. Kick left, you got a left strength, all right? Towards the strength, those guys are blocking one way. On the back side, they're blocking a different way. And that's, that's really general, but it's super easy. It's really easy for the kids. Um, and, uh, it's easy to execute. All right. And, uh, you could, you know, you could go online and look at different stuff. And if you want some stuff, I got a bunch of different stuff. I could send it to you. Perfect. Well, well, coach, uh, kind of coming up on this last hour, but, uh, you know, the last thing I, I try to always ask is, uh, you know, you've watched a lot of football and, and so you've watched another, a lot of other offensive lines play, uh, kind of getting away from special teams, but, but what is, you know, you're watching ball on, uh, on, uh, either, just watching your off time or, or watching it in a game day, what's some things when you see an offensive line that maybe would stand out that would make you think really highly other offensive line coach? Oh man. You know what? I think, I think a hustle, I mean, you could tell when a, when a, when a group works together, you know, I kind of, I really enjoyed watching Notre Dame's offensive line last year. Mm -hmm. uh, it was pretty awesome to see with those guys. You could tell they were confident, you know? Um, and so that would probably be one thing as a non-offensive line guy. All right, um, just guys that are in there hustling, guys that are in there grinding, you know. Uh, I think body language means a lot, too. You could tell a lot just by looking at those guys, you know, whether a play went well or a play went poorly, you know. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt. 
Well, Coach, man, I was glad, glad to, to have you on. I, I, uh, I kept thinking, you know, after Dom had told me, he's like, man, I got this guy, I got this guy, Jimmy Flynn, Jimmy Flynn. He just kept calling you Jimmy, Jimmy. It just, it just kept reminding me of uh, the Seinfeld episode <laughs> where the, the guy kept calling himself Jimmy. So I was like almost kind of hoping like, man, maybe he'll refer to himself in the third person the whole time. So it kind of had me laughing, but <laughs> dude, you were, uh, you were phenomenal. Um, I will, I will be contacting you. There's no doubt about it. And I'm, I'm guessing, uh, um, some of our listeners probably will as well. You have a, a vast knowledge of special teams and I, I know you have a ton of stories that you, you haven't been able to tell us in, in the only the hour we've had. So I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been awesome meeting you. I really appreciate the opportunity, man. So if anyone wants to contact me, what would be the best means for them to contact me? A cell phone or email? Sure. However, whatever you want to give them, man. All right, cool. So I'll give you, I'll give you both of them. All right. And my cell phone number is 815-922-3073. Again, it's 815-922-3073. All right. And my email address is jflynn. So that's J F. L Y N N at D is in Donald two three zero dot org. So J Flynn at D two thirty dot org. And, and, and I mean, anyone who has questions or has ideas for me, I mean, I, I always love talking to guys too, because if I can get one thing or two things uh, that make what I do better, then that's, that's, that's awesome. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.